0: You know, as Pastor Vernon was talking, I don't know anybody who does this better than he does. It reminded me of the biblical passage, passages and, and that have to do with naming. In the Bible, names are very significant. Uh, the, the act of Adam naming the animals, very significant. Because he named them not only according to their nature, their unique um, <clears throat> nature. But he named them in a way that he was seeking a relationship with them. Um, and, And so let me just start out by saying this. God made each one of you with a unique nature. He named, you have a name because you're an individual. But you're not an individual in order to stay alone, you're an individual in order to have a relationship, God is seeking a relationship with you, a better one than you have with Him, and God is helping us build relationships with one another. That's the good of our identity. We've been spending a long time talking about the topic of exactly why you were made like you are. You know, God God made you on purpose. You're not an accident. And so, why did God make you like you are? God had a purpose in mind for your life. He you were fearfully and wonderfully made, and your days were ordained when there was not yet one of them. In other words, you had a ministry, he had a ministry in mind for you. And so so the idea here is how do we get trained for that ministry? How do we identify the ministry? How do we get trained for the ministry? Now, by the way, when I say ministry, don't let that freak you out. People, people associate the word ministry um, um, with, with some sort of you know high church, post-seminary, collared, you know, um, cler- clerical, uh, you know. No, that's not what it is in the Bible. It's simply service with God in mind according to how he made you and the relationships you have. You know, when you, if you come next Saturday and you get a blue shirt, those blue shirts look strangely like clerical collars to God because it's ministry. It's just serving because of God in the place that he has put you. That's ministry. So we need to demythologize and de intimidize <laughs> that's the name of the word I just made it up on the spot I can do that because I'm talking but we need to we need to diffuse the intimidation that comes with that word it's just service and, and when he come, when it comes to how does he activate you how does he train you there are basically three phases okay the first one is this and I want to recognize this right up front there is a preparation for participation. I don't want you to feel when you walk into this place, we're going to hunt you down in our timing and put you to work. Do you know why a lot of people come to large churches? So they can hide for a little while. And, and, and they have very good reasons for that. It's not because they're lazy. It's because many of them are hurting many of them have gone through or are going through traumatic experiences. And and they just need to sit and heal and hear from the Lord for a while. I was talking with this woman a couple of days ago. Now this is one of the strongest women I think I know. I mean, her name, if you knew her name, it it would indicate her strength. She's totally capable, I mean, she was taking Large responsibility in our in our in our battle against the homeless. Huge stuff that only she can do. And she was ready to take it on, I'll tell you. And and, and finally it came down to I, I you know, thank you so much for what you're doing. She said, This is what I feel like I owe this church. And I said, Why? And she said, for two years. I was so broken, I was such a broken person because of something that happened in my life that all I could do every day was get out of bed. And then I would come limping into this church, and I would sit in a back row, and I would just take in God's love. And I would take in the fact that we were together, and I would, I would, I was healing I was healing, and I came here specifically because you gave me the space to heal so that in God's timing, I could then respond in fullness. I want you to know if you're healing today. If, you, if, you just, if you've been knocked for such a loop that, you, that all you can do is get out of bed, and, and you can't put two thoughts together for very long, just sit this is a safe place this is a place where you'll be loved and you you'll be accepted just like you are just like you are but i want you to know something else it's going to get better it's going to get better there is a passage in the bible that people have put in the past but it's meant to be put in the present as well as the past. You remember how God made the world, right? You remember the first couple of verses in Scripture, Genesis 1-1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in Genesis 1-2, this is what it says. And the earth, and correspondingly each life. This is a note that I stuck in there. And let me tell you why I did it. Because your life was made, and, and in some of your, in some of your um, um, versions, uh, um, in Psalm 139, when it talks about how you were knit together in your, in your mother's womb, it says, when you made me in the depths of the earth. That's what it talks about the womb. Now watch what it says here. The earth, and correspondingly, each life, was formless and void, Hebrew, tovu bavohu. It means chaos. It means emptiness. It means confusion. The earth was formless and void, watch this, and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. I want you to know that you were made in darkness, and there are times in your life when you will go through darkness. There are times in your life when things will feel empty, and it's chaotic, and you can't quite get your land legs back, because every time something comes up, Somebody knocks you off again. Every time it seems to be a good time, boom, there's something else that rolls in. And you get so discouraged, and you wonder if the rest of your life is just going to be formless and void. And the answer is no, because the Spirit of God is hovering over you right now. If that's your story, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. And when it does, God will prepare you for ministry. God didn't bring you here just to hurt. God didn't bring you here just for confusion. The Bible says God's not the author of confusion. God brought you here to serve. And in his timing, in your life, you will come to that place. Some people need more preparation time than others, however much time you need, I want you to know that you have it here. You're not loved. You're not not forgotten. You're not condemned. You are loved. But, but, don't make it your goal to stay the receiver forever. Don't make it your goal to be healed forever. There is a, a portion of the Bible <clears throat> that seems to be a little um, put out when people are ready to grow and to be used, but they don't. They just, they like the childlike dependence, they like just coming and listening and not doing anything. They like just being reassured of the love of God and not doing anything about it. And so way beyond their their healing time, they just kind of learn how to sit and receive. And and it says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And he goes on to say, come on, You know, I'd like to speak to you as spiritual people, but you're still spiritual infants. you got to grow up from here. There will come a time when people will challenge you, me being one of them, that you're capable of way more than you realize. God has way bigger plans for you than you've got for yourself. You have a power you can't possibly fathom, but God does. I was talking to a leader of our church the other day, and, you know, I'm always looking for ways to improve, and we were talking about, you know, what connects and what doesn't connect, and, and he said something I thought, I thought he might think I would be offended by it, but I was encouraged by it. He said, I was talking the other day and, and, and to someone, and they said, a lot of times, this feels more like seminary than church. And I'm thinking, great because if that means we're getting people prepared for ministry, that's exactly what we want to feel like. We want the church portion, too. We want the fellowship portion, too. But we want this preparation time. Now, here's the other two phases of your preparing for that which God has made you and identifying it. There is an informal training. That God puts us through an informal training. Every one of us has a different informal training. You know why? Because everyone is different. I read the other day, you know, when you're a new, you know, new parent, some of you remember this, you just get books and read them. You know, how do you raise a kid? Because nobody's prepared to raise a kid. You know? And 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 you know, by the third time, by the third kid, you have, you know, you, you've come to grips with that. You know, you just put them in a room, throw in a bag of Orioles, and you know, go on your, you know, get, get back to life. But you know, the, you know how careful you are the first one. You know, and this, and this, and, and I read this. You know, raising a, a baby by the book, raising a child by the book, is good. But you need a different book for each child. You understand that? There's no universal formula, because we're all different. Training for ministry? Yeah, well, we got the book, but, but God's going to put each of us through a different training regimen. But here's what we can be sure of. He will put people around us that may not be official church people, but they perform a certain function to get us ready for ministry. Let me read from Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. And he gave some as apostles. Now as soon as we hear that word, we think of this, you know, the Apostle Paul, and we think of this official church designation. Do you know apostle simply means sent one? Apostle is simply someone who leads us into new territory. That's that's what an apostle does. And so I don't believe here he's strictly just talking about the offices of the church. I think God sends into your life someone who will lead you into new territory. And I believe he does that quite often. And I want you, when that happens, when, when somebody gets you thinking about something new, I want you to start thinking, hmm. Could this be part of my training from God? Because I need to think of something in a new way. Or I need to think of myself maybe in a, a new field or, 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 or acting in a new way in the same field. God will send those people to you. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets. You know what a prophet is? prophet is a person who cares more about the truth than he cares about your feelings. And and, and and you don't have to be, you don't have to be ornery and, and, and just you know obnoxious to be a prophet. Uh, as a matter of fact, it really doesn't help. If you're a mature prophet, you will you will say stuff like this. You know, I'm not sure you've got that right. Did you ever think of it like this? You know, I understand your opinion. But that doesn't, that doesn't square with the facts. You know, I, I, I know what you want to believe, but what it says in Scripture is this. That's a prophet. Now, do you have to be labeled a prophet by the church? Absolutely not. You've had people in your life who've watched you. You know, your grandmother probably was one of your prophets when you were trying to get away with something, you know? And she'd say, oh, no, you don't. That's the statement of a prophet. Oh, no, you don't. Doesn't have religious language attached. It's just somebody who will tell us the truth because everybody needs somebody in their life who won't go along with them. They'll tell them the truth. God sends us those people to prepare us for ministry. And some evangelists, some people have talked to you about Christ. Some people have helped you get closer to Christ. They may not have had a church office. They may not have had an official title. They may never have stood in front of groups. But they want people to get closer to Christ. He gives us evangelists. There have been people in my life that have helped me get closer to Jesus. They didn't tell me the gospel for their first time. I knew the gospel. But they came with the good news that would move me closer to Jesus. Some as pastors who will care for your soul. God puts some people in your life who sees you as a spiritual person. You know, and that's exactly who you are. You're just a spiritual person with a body. Your soul is is who you are and that personality will last forever. And someday you won't have a physical body, you'll have a spiritual body, but you'll you'll be the same person. You'll you'll, You'll have the same identity. And so therefore, there are some people who see you as basically spiritual people, and they care for you in that way. And they want to develop you in spiritual ways, not just in intellectual ways. But speaking of intellectual ways, teachers. He gave some as teachers who care about the facts, who care that you know what you need to know in order to operate more effectively. You've had people in your life say, don't do it like that. Don't do it like that. Because when you do, you make the same mistakes over and over again. It's totally ineffective. Did you ever think of something like this? And they'll they'll give you a new fact to, to, to get you on a better road. All right? So he gives us all of these folks. Now, before I go to the rest of the verses there in Ephesians, let me say this. It is overwhelming. It is overwhelming. The the number of teachers he's given us in our lives, what is not overwhelming is the number of times we count them as our teachers. Have you ever been, have you ever said this to yourself, and and this is what I want to be, your your constant question to yourself. God, what are you trying to teach me here? When somebody says something to you, I want you to say this to yourself, God, what are you trying to teach me here? What are you trying to form in me here? Because you don't have your relationships and your interchanges by accident. There are many informal ways that God will, and, 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 and you've got to do this, you, you've, got to, you've got to, somehow you've got to commit yourself to this because it's very easy just to, just to not pay much attention anymore. The only way that we will be full disciples of Jesus Christ is through absolute commitment. And anything else is frustrating to us, and it's even a little painful. I know everybody wants to follow Christ with their whole heart. Every time we have an altar call, I mean, and, and say, you know, First-timers, those who want to rededicate their life, you've seen it. You've seen what happens. Hundreds of people flock up here. And I know, I know that they are committing their whole life to Christ. But then they make it to the parking lot. You know? And they kind of start thinking, okay, what does this mean? And they get a little confused. And then they face something tough. And they go, "I, I don't know. Could I just tell you that's a very painful way to live life? I I I remember this one incident in my pool when I was growing up, and in, 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 uh, we had a public pool, and all the, all the kids hung out there when we were too young to uh, find jobs yet. So we just all gathered at the pool every summer, and they had a I think a two foot board, and a four foot board, and a ten foot board, and of course, you know, all of the Guys and many of the girls wanted to prove their courage, you know. And I was afraid of heights. I've always been afraid of heights, but I had done backflips and forward flips and all that kind of stuff off the and twists and all that kind of stuff off the the other two boards. So I just thought, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to go up there, and 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 I'm going to do a backflip off the 10 foot board. So I get up there and I'm just it 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 looked like I was in an airplane to me. I mean, it was so high, and I, and I lined up backwards, you know, and I knew the form and all that kind of stuff, and I just, I just couldn't quite go. Well, finally, there were kids stacking up on the ladder on the way up to the board. They go, get off the board. Either get off or go down the ladder. Well, I knew I couldn't go down the ladder. I, I would never be able to show myself in Shelby again. So I... I did. I sprung off, and about halfway through that backflip, I decided this wasn't such a good idea. You know what wasn't such a good idea? Thinking halfway through, this isn't a good idea. I'm telling you, I landed flat in the water. I got out, and the whole front of me was red as a beat. I've never been stung that much in my life. Do you know why? Because I wasn't fully committed. Life's like that. you got to be fully committed. And so, in order to be fully committed, here's the third phase. Now watch this. Deliberate practice. We've been talking about this for a while. Intentional Discipleship training. You've got, we all have to to commit to ongoing training if we're going to get the maximum training out of our informal training. We've got to be formally trained. I've I've been talking to you for several weeks now about the rewiring of your brain. And that only happens over a process of time. The Bible says, don't be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you, you do this over and over again. When the Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way they should go, it's not talking about intellectual information. It's talking about doing the same thing over and over and over and over. The word is, the word is the same words that use used for training an animal. You don't train an animal according to its understanding. You train an animal according to its pattern, according to a discipline. The Hebrew can be said this way, narrow up a child in the way he should go. In other words, teach a child to focus by continually getting them to focus. Narrow their attention. That's exactly what we do WHEN WE ARE DELIBERATELY COMMITTING OURSELVES TO A TRAINING PROCESS. AND LET ME TELL YOU WHY THIS IS NECESSARY. I'VE JUST TOLD YOU, GOD PUTS ALL KINDS OF PEOPLE AND CIRCUMSTANCES IN YOUR LIFE TO TRAIN YOU. AND VERY FEW OF US NOTICE THAT'S WHAT HE'S DOING. THAT'S BECAUSE THERE'S AN OVERWHELMING NUMBER OF OPPORTUNITIES TO PARTAKE. uh, Buckminster Fuller was a a, a systems guy, Harvard guy, systems guy, had a a school of thought in the the middle of the last century. Um, um, And and he estimated um, that that the, the cumulative knowledge of the world before 1900 doubled about every hundred years, about every century, all right? From 1900 to about the end of the Second World War, the cumulative knowledge of the world doubled about every 25 years. Let me cut to the chase. Today, the cumulative knowledge of the world Doubles about every 12 months. And in the foreseeable future, the cumulative knowledge of the world will double every 12 hours. Now, how do you? You've got to narrow, you've got to be taught what to look for. The same way God's informal training, you gotta, you gotta be taught what to look for. And how does that happen? That happens with intentional discipleship training. You can do that in, 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 in a couple of ways. First of all, you can choose your own, your, your own course. When you go to community Bible study, when you go to Bible study fellowship, when you pick out a class that you're going through, that's exactly what you're doing. You're being intentional about your discipleship training. And it's very important. We have created this ongoing series that, that is going to train you, that is going to reshape your brain. But you've got to be committed long-term for it. Friday night, I was uh, Becky and I went out uh, with the... Um, the man who is now the president of my own my old seminary, the seminary i got a couple of the, of my degrees from brilliant man Harvard guy um, um, really a terrific guy. And He was down here, and so he just wanted to go out for uh, for dinner and i said that 's great and and we saw so many of you in seasons fifty two uh, Good to see you again um, and thank you for whoever bought that dinner. I still am trying to figure that out but But I was asking him, what are seminaries facing these days? Tell me the challenges. Would you believe it's exactly the same challenge as a megachurch? They say there are fewer and fewer people who are committed to residential presence. That is to say, they've they've got lives that they've got to live. And so we don't have a lot of students coming and living at the seminary anymore and just going through a degree program. What there has been is an explosion of extended education, of, 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 of education on location. He told, me, he told me this one seminary that Becky's brother got a doctorate from. And they went from zero to, can you remember whether it was 70 or 700? 700. Is that right? They went from zero students in this extended program to 700 students in a year because people could do it where they actually lived. Now here's the catch. And here's the catch for us. He said the retention rate though is a huge problem because the easier it is for you to get into the easier for you it is to get out of and we find the same thing here you know when we talk about distributing the church and distributing our discipling process and that doesn't mean always coming to this building and that's why we built this building because you wouldn't always have to come to this building and that's why we're online, is because you're as much a part of our congregation as, 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 as the folks in this, this service in the building are. But the danger is that if you try to do it alone, the sooner or later you'll probably drop out. You've got to have people around you. And that's what they're learning in seminaries all over the country. And that's what we're learning in churches. And so, as we go proceed to the next, to the next, and and it's in your sermon notes, it's it's right down, it's a blue thing in the corner. Kingdom Come is our next discipleship training. If you didn't get involved in the last one, I want you to get involved in the next one. And there are some of you who are just not at a place where you can do this with people yet. I understand. I understand. I really do. So if you, if you have to do it by yourself, do it by yourself. Because the Lord will still work in your heart and in your mind. But as soon as you can, get with somebody else. Because discipleship will not last long or go as deep as when you are in relationship with others pursuing Jesus together. Let me read you the rest of this Ephesians passage, and then, and then I'll pray for us. For the equipping of the saints. Why, did, why does God give us all these people in our lives? For the equipping of the saints. Who are the saints? We are. We're the saints. For equipping us, for training us, equipping of the saints for the work of service. Remember what ministry is? Is simply service with God in mind. I'm doing this for God. I'm doing it in God's power. I'm doing it for the purpose of God. That's what ministry is. To the building up of the body of Christ until we all, remember last week when Chad was talking about how many, in the the original church, how many times they used corporate terms together, you know, uh, of, of one mind, fellowship, so on and so forth. Till we all attain to the unity of the faith. What is the faith? A future state where we all look to Jesus together. Can anybody name that place, by the way? A future state where we all look to Jesus together. What's the name of that place? Heaven. Thank you. Exactly. And what did Jesus teach us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he's looking for a group of people who will look to Jesus down here, together, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature person, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, where we see and respond like Christ. That's the kingdom. You live life like Christ. That's the kingdom. And that's why we need all to be trained together. So I say to you, we've got a way that you can see God in everyday life. We've got a way you can hear God in every conversation. But you need to commit yourself to the training. Because our brains have been wired by the world. And if it's wired by the world, you won't see God. And you won't even go to Him until you're desperate enough. That's how things work in the world. But God is building up citizens of heaven who will see him every place, who will hear him in every conversation.